This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 71, as it's getaway day for the New York Rangers, and it is my first podcast after the heartbreaking loss in Game 6 of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I've had a lot of time to collect my thoughts and, and kind of accept the fact that our run is over. It's, it's just as sad now as it was uh, right after the game. Uh, just a heartbreaking way to to kind of go out you know getting a late goal to tie and then just giving one up right away just emotionally tough for me Andy but uh you know here we are I uh just got back from we're, we're recording this on a late Wednesday night while uh the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Colorado Avalanche are playing and I just got home from my game Andy and to not not so much pour salt in my wounds here, but uh, the opponent's goalie was wearing a Shesterkin jersey, and I tell you, he played pretty well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the, not the jersey that you want to see uh, going against you tonight and just kind of reminding you once again of the New York Rangers uh, exit in the Eastern Conference Final, which is still sour to me. But here we are, Andy. So I have to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Obviously, I I got to record that podcast with our last podcast without you, so it was cathartic to get all my uh, the sads out of my system and just talk about the loss and sit with it for a bit. And if uh, you listen back to that podcast, yeah, I I, I sound pretty somber. Uh, <laughs> That's a, that was a tough one to do by yourself. I'm sorry I left you hanging. No, it, it's fine. And again, you know, I understand life life gets in the way. Uh, and uh, also, like I said, you you were taking a brave stance, uh, uh, boycotting Gerard Gallant's uh, now universally recognized as stupid decision to uh, bench Kako Kako in an elimination game in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. So uh, I wasn't actually to... well, I was boycotting, but I wasn't actually going to boycott. And then it turned out that I couldn't do I couldn't make the podcast. So it, like I'm like, you know, what, what what better time than to to you know, to let, to stick to your, uh, your guns, you know, once, uh, you realize you can't do it anyway, so it might as well make mean something, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we'll you. get into that too. I mean, I, that, I mean, talking about an emotional roller coaster before the game, I mean, yeah. Jesus, it's like, can this team just not crush me emotionally, you know, just twisting the knife every which way. So, um, Andy, we kind of have a lot, like a lot to talk about, you know, this was a big couple days here with the New York Rangers. Yeah, so you know what I'm. I have a, a lot of the quotes from uh, Getaway Day the other day with Gallant and the players pulled up, and I also have the quotes from today with uh, when a few of the Rangers beat writers got to interview Chris Drury. Uh, so we should obviously talk about that. But I'm going to start us off, uh, which was very surprising. Literally this, the the day after the Rangers are eliminated from you know, in the six games by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Vitaly Kraftsov signs a one-way deal with New York Rangers, eight, was it 8.50, whatever it was, uh, which was obviously a very surprising thing, to say the least. And then uh, lots of speculation from the fans of the Rangers and beat writers. What does this mean? Is this his first sign and trade? What's the deal here? And then we got some pretty interesting quotes from some more you know the the beat writers after looking into it and also uh in you know insiders like elliot friedman uh yeah basically just talking about what they think most likely happens with craft stuff so i I do did want to ask you first james to start off did this did this surprise you and what what do you make of uh craft stuff signing a one-way deal with the rangers yeah, well, it's definitely weird that it happened the day after, which makes you think that it was obviously in the works, at least for the last couple of weeks, right? They had to be in contact and, and, you know, I would imagine both parties were on the same page that as soon as the season was done, we're going to get this contract signed and, and this is how we're going to start the offseason. You know, I think that's a, a 
a sign of good faith from jury to Kravtsov saying like, this is how serious I am. Like the moment that we get knocked out, you are going to be on this roster and, and you're going to be under contract for an, to be a New York Ranger. I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's rocket science to kind of look at where the Rangers are in terms of cap space and realize that we kind of need them. <laughs> I, I don't know where he's, you know, going to fit right away, but uh, in terms of, you know, I, we got to see how the roster shapes out over the offseason, but we kind of need a player like him, right? A, a guy that can play the wing and that can be the wing for very cheap. And um, I, I'm not convinced that it's a sign and trade here, Andy. So I'm very curious on what your thoughts, but yeah, a little surprising. But when you kind of look back on it, it's, yeah, it makes sense. It makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I mean, like I had mentioned before, after, subsequently, after the news came out, uh, people like Vince Mercagliano and Elliot Friedman, uh, just listening to various, like I said, uh, Rangers beat writers and insiders talk about it. The belief is that Kraftsov wants to play for the Rangers, wants to return to New York and play for the Rangers. Uh, this the one way, you know, deal was a big part of that because he would have to be put on waivers um, to go if the Rangers wanted to send him down or wave him or whatever. Uh, obviously we know what has happened the last two seasons with uh, Vitaly Kravtsov and Hartford. Uh, so this is basically an assurance is that, listen, you, you come back for us and um, we will give you what you want basically. Cause the team would pick him immediately pick him up if he got put on waivers. You know what I mean? Just, he's a first round pick. Uh, he's, he's what is he? Ninth overall, right? Yeah. Ninth overall pick um, in 2017. Or is it 2018? I got my timeline mixed up. 2018, I believe. Uh, but still, like I said, first round pick, you know, clearly has a lot of skill. Uh, Chris Drury put it today, I believe, as all world skill. He can do things that some other, not a lot of players in the world can. Um, and yeah, he said their talks have been good. And uh, I believe Vince Mercagliano and Elliot Friedman both said that, uh, you know, Kraftsoff had changed. He's with Dan Milstein now and that, there's been con- plenty of contact with Chris Drury and the Rangers and, and Kravtsov and, and, and his agent, and that clearly they've been putting in the work uh, to repair this relationship. I mean, I know there was a lot of rumors coming out that the reason when Chris Drury was the assistant uh, general manager to Jeff uh, Gorton, and he was in over- charge of overseeing the Wolf Pack, that he had some harsh words for Vitaly Kravtsov when he wanted to leave and. I don't know, maybe it said, said, you know, just wasn't taken well. And then maybe that personal relationship was fractured a bit, but he now has to be in a more magnanimous role as the general manager of the Rangers and the Rangers, like you'd said, pretty doesn't take a rock science. They need cheap. They're up against it. They need cheap production because uh, now all of a sudden Capo Caco needs a new deal um, and a, a litany of other players. So, yeah, I mean, I'll say the definitely coming the day after the Rangers are eliminated from the ECF was really surprising, but I think that also says something about um, the Rangers and Chris Drury and his style as a general manager. And I think a lot of other general managers might wait for the dust to settle a bit. And, but he's like, we're built well, we're already building for, for next year. And like you said, if that's not a, a show of confidence. I don't know what is. So he's going to have a chance to play with the Rangers. The Rangers need him and they need him to perform for them because they need a uh, cheap production. So, and I almost think Chris Drury is the type is like, well, you know what? And if Turk doesn't, doesn't think he should make the roster, then yeah, we are going to lose him for nothing, but it is what it is, you know? So, uh, or they'll try to sign it. You know, it, it does become a, a sided trade that, you know, they'll try to trade him, maybe get him a few games or here or there. But, um, yeah, no, I'm obviously excited because if you had asked me at the, when Kravtsov l- just left, I was like, well, you know, this has happened twice now. This is over, right? And But here we are. So, uh, And we've seen this happen with players. It happened with Yessi Pugliarvi. You know, he, he had left for an extended period of time, and but the relationship got repaired. You know, time heals all wounds, and he had stepped away for long enough to that when he came back, there was a little less looking at him as someone they picked what third overall or whatever it was or second overall, whatever he got drafted. Um, and just more of just like an asset, someone who could play, you know, and had some skill. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it works out for all parties involved. Cause like I said, the Rangers really need it. 
Yeah, and if you look at, you know, Cap Friendly has it, you know, obviously be- beautifully broken down the amount of unrestricted free agents that the Rangers are going to be dealing with and the amount of restricted free agents, you know, uh, Kako and and just, uh, you know, Justin Braun, you know, or he's UFA actually, but, you know, E.K. Andre Miller is going to be a restricted free agent after next year. Um, you know, the Rangers are probably going to be looking to try to lock him into a long-term deal. And, you know, that's not going to be cheap either. So, you know, the Rangers are going to have their work cut out for them in terms of, you know, working this roster within the cap. But, you know, obviously that's what, you know, Jerry's job is. And, and so far, I feel like he's done a decent job. I think the biggest problem the Rangers will face is, you know, maybe getting rid of a Truba contract. And um, I don't think they'll sign Braun. I think I think they'll do one more shot with Patrick Nemeth. Here, I'm, I'm talking all over the place, Andy. But uh, the one question I wanted to ask you, with this Kraftsoft signing and with the Kako not playing the last game, is it possible that there's a possibility that Kako gets moved during the offseason? Well... I mean, I assume there's always a possibility. I mean, Wayne Gretzky was traded, but uh, you know, I think, I think it's you have to look in two places. You have to look to the, what was said about the incident, and listen, that's where we good, good, good as place of any to start because that was the first thing they asked Gerard Gallant. They said, "Let's get this out of the way." You didn't answer. You refused to answer it last night or whenever it was or two nights ago. Uh, you know, why'd you scratch Capo Caco? And he says it was simply a hockey decision, which I thought gave us the best chance to win. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of theories as to what that was because everyone in their right mind is like, well, Dryden Hunt is not uh, much of an upgrade offensively over Capo Caco. You can maybe make, say something about him being fresh, having not played and having some jump in his game and just making it harder. And cause whatever they were doing wasn't working to change it up. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it was a baffling decision then. It's a baffling decision now, and obviously even more baffling when you, of course, it didn't work. So, and the Rangers barely got, did had any had like no even strength offense. So, um, yeah. So, but when asked about it, Kako said, or, or excuse me, I'll back up. He, you know, so after that, Dragalon Jar, said we love we like the kid, and this could be a stock bullshit answer. You know, he says we like the kid. We expect him to play in our top six and be a big piece for us next year. Basically saying like, I was no big deal. Like, listen, we were trying to win a hockey game. And, you know, he said, I didn't inform him. And then Kako, uh, when they interviewed him, he reiterated that. He's like, yeah, I just saw it when I came into, you know, saw the lineup in in the dressing room. So uh, he was asked kind of point blank, is this going to affect your feelings about, you know, a new contract and things going to move forward. And he said, no, I don't think so. You know, I like playing here. If anything, I'm going to use it as fuel and motivation for next year to prove that I think I need to, should be in the lineup, which is like the perfect answer. A, you know what I mean? And he, I think Vince summed it up pretty nicely. He said, you know, Kako's not a, he's a pretty conservative, not a fiery reactionary guy. Um, you know, so I mean, that could just be bullshit. He could just say that to say nice, and then behind closed doors, he goes his agent, you know, like in Slapshot, like trade me right fucking now. You know what I mean? But um, I don't. I personally don't think he's going to. I mean, if something was to happen again, this th- that's the problem. This sets a, a big precedent, and it is baffling that he's their second overall pick, who clearly, despite yeah, he had his struggles this year, but he clearly all the three kids took a step forward and were their three of their most productive players in the postseason and especially just his ability to hold on to pucks and you know possession and and driving play in the right direction which was the one thing they really had trouble with so and i thought like, game five he really you know kind of held his own and drew yeah, a couple me too. penalties that were never called I, I i didn't think he was a problem at all in game five in fact I no thought it, he actually looked strong with the puck this the, this and I mean, going back to Leah Sanderson, not that Leah Sanderson has panned out into anything really, but um, yeah, I there's it seems to be a disconnect sometimes with some of these these players that don't aren't constantly moving their feet or looking like because Kako is a guy that likes to plan his feet, but then use poke checks and stick lifts and 
well-timed, you know, bat downs with a stick to turn play in the other direction or try to stop plays up. And it works a lot of the time. But I just think sometimes, for whatever reason, the coaches look at it as a lack of effort. Like, why isn't this guy hustling? Why is he moving his legs? It's like, because sometimes you have to work smarter, not harder. You know, I mean, this is, you know, we're all familiar with, you know, just uh, Brett Howden running around, just trying, accomplishing very little despite running all over the ice. You know, Rangers have been littered with a litany of those guys in their, in their bottom lines for the last, you know, t- a decade plus. So, um, well, but- I. I- well, yeah, I sorry. should share my theory of what actually. Oh, happened. yeah, you did. You 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 laid this on me earlier today, and I think it's a great theory. So I think you should tell everyone, James, what your theory is. Yeah. So basically, I, I this is how I think it went down because it's the most, you know, for, for me, it's the most logical reasoning of why you'd scratch a guy like Kako, is that I thought I think that Gallant thought Strom was basically going to be a no go, and I, there was some sort of promise made to Hunt you know, that, hey, listen, I'm going to get you in. I'm going to get you in. I'm going to get you in. And I I think given Strom playing center and basically realizing the writing's on the wall here with him, basically, you know, this is his only opportunity to really show, you know, this organization, his commitment to them and, and stuff. And I think he really wanted to play. And given his tenure and being an assistant captain, you had to let Strom make his own call on whether he could play or not, even though he clearly couldn't. And, you know, after Gallant promising Hunt, you know, a, a spot play, I think he eventually just sat Kako. It was the easiest player to kind of sit. You know, Kako has, you know, not really any tenure. He's not a center. And, uh, yeah, and it's a guy that is going to, you know, Hunt is a guy that's going to add a little bit more of, you know, organized chaos out there, you know, kind of running around, hitting and, you know, creating energy. And, you know, Kako is not the fastest player, although he's, you know, strong with the puck in the offensive zone and you had the kid line, but the way the lineup was kind of constructed, the, the kid line was seemed to be broken up and not really effective uh, given the amount of injuries that the New York Rangers were plagued with at the time. So I kind of think that's how it went down. Um, I, I don't think I don't ultimately I don't think there's any ill will, but it just you know, Kako being sat just was a complete head scratcher and given the history with this organization and, and, and how they treat some of the younger talent, uh it w- worries me that we're gonna give up on or yeah. It worries me that we're gonna give up on Kako, uh and, and package him with a trade. Which listen, if you wanna go after a big time number two center now that Strom pretty much has played his last game as a New York Ranger. You know, you're, you're going to have to give up something to get something. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's my theory. I think that's honestly the, on, the only feasible working theory I've heard so far from anyone because it's a head scratcher no matter wh- how many ways you look at it. And I think that's the only one that kind of makes sense. So I would honestly think that might be bang on. Yeah, you know? and Galat can't like say, "Listen, I promised Hunt to play a game." Because whoops, th- yeah, then he looks the like NHL. Like, yeah, <laughs> like everyone's gonna be like, "Wait, why are you promising Hunt that he would go play a game?" I yeah. just think it was kind of one of those things where it was just easy to scratch Kako, and and he did it. And you know, unfortunately, I think everyone, and including the media, like you said, are all on the same page about how that was clearly not the right move. But it is what it is. It didn't really have an effect on the game. Um, you know, oh boy! Who knows? <laughs> Sorry, as we're recording this, uh, there's a minute left. It's tied. Pat Maroon, I think, just put the puck over the glass with a minute and twenty four left in the third period. Oh boy! Okay. Uh, sorry, I I'm very professional podcaster. I promise, but you know, it is the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, yeah. So I, again, James, I think that is probably the most feasible working theory I've heard so far. And uh, yeah, it still doesn't make any goddamn sense. And if that is the reason. He should. I don't know if he should be more ashamed or less ashamed, but what I I, I will say this: putting Kako Kapo Kako in, I don't think the Rangers then suddenly win this game, even if they have a slightly better chance. But that's not the point. You're, it's a the point is that he is part of the future of this team, and you don't need to fracture that relationship, and also just not honestly not reward some of the players that are doing the right thing by that's, you know, I think that sends a shit message. So, um, yeah, is what it is. 
uh, moving on to more quotes from Breakup Day. Other than that, I mean, we'll just start with Galan. He basically says, proud of the team, obviously. You know, he thought the kid line really came into their own. Um, oh, sorry, I'm scrolling through all these uh, quotes. Yeah. He says, adding the guys at the deadline really pushed the Angels over the edge. Uh, he says, it was 100% successful reason for this, a successful season for the Rangers. And he, you know, likes the group moving forward and we're going to have a real good team. Literally says not much of note. You know, I, I think the one thing he said that was interesting, I thought, was on Strom playing, who clearly looked hurt. He says he didn't hurt us, but he wasn't Ryan Strom. Um, I think he did hurt. I think they even showed on one goal that Strom literally, he had a chance to kind of step up on a guy and get a stick, but he almost, because he can barely move, he, he just thought better of it. And he just gave Stamkos this, the space and let uh, Lindgren or Miller, whoever it was, handle Stamkos close to the wall. And then who, who shot the puck through almost through his feet. And then just, I don't know, just Eric and looked a little surprised by it. So, um, I mean, I, yeah. I personally, it, it might, my two cents for what it's worth now. I, I feel like the series was lost in game five and I kind of partially bl- blame Gallant. And the reason why is because, listen, I know Strom was nursing an injury and cop was clearly not himself. Uh, you know, Heedle was injured at that point. You just had so many injuries up and down the lineup. You weren't getting a great play from Kreider. Uh, Mika was, you know, playing, you know, halfway decent. I, I think you got to look at that lineup and say, you know, maybe move Panarin off a line where you have two guys that can barely move when Panarin's playing his best game of the series. And, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the big mistake that Gallant made. I, I think, he was too trustworthy of his, some of his veteran players to get the job done. And sometimes you just have to make adjustments on the fly and, and, and pair some of the guys that have it, you know? And I just feel like sometimes it was a little too, little, too little too late for the New York Rangers. They could have made adjustments in game five. They chose not to and uh, ultimately made the wrong decision. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, and listen, like, like you said before, I think just Strom, whatever, you know, that vet player for that team wears an A. Yeah, he's not going to keep the guy out. And, you know, I don't know. The writing was kind of on the wall. So um, this might have been this might have been his last go around as a Ranger. So if if that is the case, you uh, can't bring Strong back. I, you can't. I, I mean, every listen, there's always a number which I might I, I might entertain it. But I know you and I had, had talks about where Ryan Strom uh, is is a gateway drug for our Tubby Panarin to play, you know, to not play inside the the hash marks and all that. But I just don't want to waste Panarin's career here with Ryan Strom. I just yeah. don't want to do it. I, I need either put him with Zvenajad or bring in an actual number two center that has some size and speed that, you know, can make things happen. I, I just can't listen. Strom has his role and he's very cerebral. He's smart. You know, at times, you know, he, he has a scoring touch, even though he lost it this year. Excuse me. You know, I, I just think the New York Rangers are ready to move on and go into a different direction. I, I don't see him as the number three center, especially after the playoffs Heedle has. And he's certainly not a fourth line center and he's going to want to get paid. So it's like, uh, it's how could you bring him back? Well, Let's use this as an opportunity to move on to the next gentleman who was in, uh, interviewed, which was Andrew Kopp. Now, he says he told, you know, obviously, while they were still coming to the end of the regular season with the New York Rangers, his agent was talking to him about uh, maybe working on an extension. And he says, I told him to kick rocks because my focus was on, on the, the playoffs. Um, got a nice little chuckle, you know, and he says, I'm not married to one decision or another. But I definitely enjoyed my time here uh, when asked if he wanted to resign with the Rangers or test the market. He did then said, I don't want to play 25 minutes a night for a team, but we're 0 and 82, which I think is kind of a coded way of saying, like, I don't want to just go where I can get the most money if it means I'm going to not be playing in the postseason or playing meaningless hockey. You know, he could have. Well, I guess Winnipeg didn't really believe in him, but, you know, that's the thing. He could sign big money in Anaheim or uh, Detroit or something. You know, but 
at the same time, then you won't be playing those meaningful minutes. So maybe he would take if, you know, if the Rangers have him where other teams might offer him around six and the Rangers are like, we are literally capped at like five point five. He might say, you know, uh, OK, I'll, I'll go with the Rangers. You know, what I mean, even though it's a lesser offer. So but we'll see who knows. Uh, listening to some of the speculation, you know, just various uh, insiders and, you know, radio hits and podcasts, there is some belief that there is an option C in which uh, neither of them get re-signed and Chris Drury goes out and tries to land another uh, second line center or even a, you know, big, big one, you know, two C type center um, or, you know, one B, whatever you want to call it. Uh, which would honestly, they have some some prospects who are, probably will not play for this team, so that wouldn't be surprising to me. Obviously, it, it's all about making the the money work, but just I thought that was pretty interesting to hear that 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 almost seems like that's you know I think most people think they're going to let Strom walk and sign Cop, but at the same time, not ruling out uh, Drury making another move. You know, a big another big splash this summer. So we shall see. Um, Moving on, uh, they interview Ryan Reeves. You know, he's just kind of says, like, love being here. He's got another year on his contract. It always sucks getting scratched. But if he's like, if I was honest myself, I was dog shit in game four. Um, you know, I, I yes, there were times where Ryan Reeves in the fourth line in general was hemmed in on the ice during this postseason. They weren't as effective as a fourth line as you would like. But I think, we, you know, you and I have touched on what Revo's effect it's almost more just being around the team has just had such a good effect on them that you kind of say you know what he doesn't play a lot of minutes even though he might not do the best with those minutes but it's like it what it, it was never too egregious and there was actually times where I thought he looked pretty good you know but um uh yeah I mean no no complaints with Revo he's got one more year with this uh with the club so we'll see um, yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, my opinion on Reeves, it's like he signed for another year, one point seven five million. You know, after that, he's unrestricted free agent and he'll be 36 years old. So, you know, here, here we are. I think, again, you hit the nail on the head. He's it's what he brings off the ice. I think he's got a personality built for New York. He's got a uh, I, I think he can buy in as being just more of a, a, a vocal leader and someone who could stick up for guys. I wish he dropped the gloves a little bit more, but at the age of 35, it's like, you know, maybe it's like, how often is he really going to need to drop the gloves at this age? Uh, yeah, that might he do did, more harm than good. So, you know, he did say, he, yeah, he did say this summer his focus was on getting uh, faster to keep up with the young guys. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, it's probably just like a little telling, uh, telling everyone what they want to hear type deal. But yeah, uh, yeah I had no, no problem with Revo this year. And I, he clearly his rant, you know, and then they, they ended by asking about the Shesty releases thing. And, you know, he just says it was kind of like I did there. We did, someone else in Vegas did a different version of it. And he just asked Strom, he's like, hey, do you want to release the boys? And he had no idea what I was talking about. So I just did it. And everyone, you know, got he popped, he popped everyone in the locker room. They loved it. So. There you go. Uh, Vitrano, being here was awesome. Uh, it would be great to be back. Talks about unfinished business. He really seems that like he liked being here. And I mean, that makes more sense to me because, you know, clearly Frank was, I don't want to say miscast, but he was clearly passed over in Florida and they never really believed in him. And then to come here and automatically say hey we're putting you on the first line and giving you minutes with Kreider and Zibanejad uh yeah no I can definitely see how he could be fired up and wants to stay uh again do I think the Rangers can afford him no I think he's gonna I think Frank I'd be very surprised if he resigns with the Rangers I think he's gonna end up signing like in uh uh Seattle or something for some big money because they need to score you know what I mean and he can he could be an empty calorie scorer for them yeah, the only thing that makes me say that he won't do that do that is he's kind of a northeast boy, he's a Massachusetts kid. So yeah. there's there's a chance. Well, I hear the Bruins might... are going to need some bodies going forward. So well, I mean, they could have a ton of room opened up if some of the yeah. room were swirling around yeah. them. It's true. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I mean, I, I don't know. Listen, I, I'm I and Andy, I, I'm looking. I just look at Cop and Vitrano and. 
I'm not married to either of them. And, you know, I think, let me ask you this question because this is where I'm torn at. The regular season cop in Vetrano, I'm like, this was a fucking solid, solid, you know, choice by Drury. Come playoff time towards the end. I didn't really see much from, you know, I know cop was hurt and yeah, Vetrano just cop started really hot the speed. Yeah. Yeah, cops started hot. I don't know if Frank was more of just like the slog. And I mean, we have also heard from uh, Florida Panthers fan that he does this, that he is literally red hot or ice cold. And when he doesn't give you much when he's ice cold. And we saw that, you know. But, you know, listen, he scored some timely goals throughout the playoffs, which is great. Cops started off hot, but you saw whatever was nagging him. He had some definitely it looked like a core injury and he just got slower and it was affecting him. But you can see that when he's healthy, he plays such a way that's conducive for success. Like he does, he plays in traffic. He, you know, he's he's not the fastest guy, but he can hold on to pucks, you know, through the neutral zone and and to enter the zone with pressure. He can play in traffic with pressure. So he's clearly, I think, in in that sense, he's clearly more valuable for the Rangers. And uh, you know, I think if you replace Strom as their other line mate with maybe it's someone else who can. You know, which I think Tampa does so well is they usually have two guys on a line that are committed to clearing, you know, clearing the wake for each other. They'll cross a few times or if, if they see one's coming in, they'll they'll kind of buzz the tower a little bit or, or just create misdirection to open up the ice. And the Rangers don't pick up on that stuff. They're not that experienced yet. But yeah, I just think it would if they if Strom walks uh, and they recite cop, they you know, I think Kako could be good on that line because he does take a lot of heat off in terms of that. Because I, you know, I that was one a big. I thought his play off the puck, especially in the offensive zone, I liked. It. I thought he got much better with that. With you know, knowing when to activate and when to how to take you know eyes and attention away. Um, speaking of Ryan Strom, uh, then the media sits down with Ryan Strom. Very emotional. He says the second half of the year he was dealing with an issue that got worse and worse. Uh, the hit by Andre. Palat in game three didn't cause the injury. It just re-aggravated it. He said it was a hip thing. He finds out tomorrow if he'll need surgery. Apparently, we still don't know, or Drury doesn't know. Uh, you know, he says his impending free agency and the possibility he might not be back was not a factor in him deciding to play in game six. Uh, obviously, my heart's here. Whatever happens, happens. I can't predict the future. My choice is still to be a New York Ranger. We'll see what happens. Uh, he was very emotional. He was almost on the verge of tears. You know, and then he personally shook the hand of every beat writer or just media person who was interviewing him that day on his way out. That sounds like a person who knows there's not a good chance of him coming back. We do know the Rangers tried to get a deal done with him during the season, in season, uh, at a lower number, and he just, they couldn't get it done. So, I mean, that means the writing's on the wall, you would think, James, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, kind of spoke about him earlier. I Listen, there's just not a scenario in which I see him being a New York Ranger. I, where where does he fit? He's not a first-line center, clearly. It's a bandage ad. Second line, you don't really want to waste your time putting him back with Panarin. I just think, you know, Panarin just needs another, like, Panarin either needs to go with Zibanejad or go, we need to bring in a, a legit number two center, like an elite number two center. Um. And, you know, if you're going to keep Beetle, which, you know, why wouldn't you? You have him at 2.3 and he really turned it up and he's 22 years old and he's a restricted free agent after, you know, this season. You know, there's a lot of good things with Philip Beetle, you know, heading into next season and, you know, a lot to be excited about. It's just, again, that he just doesn't fit on this roster. So, um, Jesus, Andy, I can't believe I'm going to ask you this question, but is there a number that you would do for Ryan Strom? Uh, he's twenty eight. Not years not old. not one that he would take. No, I think okay. I just you know I. I mean, if you if you're positive, you're not for whatever reason not going to be able to, to resign Andrew Cop for whatever it is. He's t- he intimates that he wants more money or he's going elsewhere. I don't think any honestly. I don't think any more than five flat. You know. Yeah, I like. To be honest with you, it's like at Lower that point, rate. at that point, you bring yeah. it, you spend a few extra shekels and you bring in a legit number two center. 
Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in all of sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Moving on. Barkley Goodrow says his injury was a fracture in my ankle bone, which we we all knew. He was a bum, you know. He's got one of his wheels was out. Uh, you know, re- didn't re-injure it, but he re-aggravated it. He blocked a shot on the foot from Hedman, so didn't you know? Didn't didn't re-injure it, but didn't feel sure. Didn't feel good. Uh, says your best lesson comes from disappointment, and he pointed out that Tampa had that the year before they won. There was that was a big theme for this uh, for a lot of the players saying. You know, we have to learn from this. We have to build off this. This has to be a building block. Uh, you know, I think uh, Ryan Lindegren clearly said he was playing through a lot of uh, injuries and stuff, but obviously he started to get healthy, but then at times he would have little setbacks here and there. But he praised uh, Jim Ramsey and the uh, training staff, who honestly, because he would go to the, he was like a, you know, like at the Daytona 500, just going into the for you know the pit crew for repairs and just coming out. I couldn't believe what he played through. What a what a postseason he had. What a warrior. Uh, so yeah, you know, similar things about you know it's disappointing, but we move on. You got to move forward. Um, Keandre Miller, similar thing. Said we were you know two two games away. You know, it's not going to take much more. We're close. We're close. Uh, Lafreniere kind of says the same thing. It was fun. You know, this is the time games you want to be playing in. Obviously very close, you know. Uh, Ryan Strom, or excuse me, not Ryan Strom, uh, Artemi Panarin uh, made it, he kind of kept it light in Panarin style, but also mixed in some important things. He, you know, they asked him what his plans for the offseason are. He said karaoke, got a big laugh. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, but he also said, obviously, your biggest goal is to win the Stanley Cup, maybe three. Because again, throws in another joke. Uh, said Ryan Strom is a big part of my life. We can talk about deep things uh, sometimes at the bar, <laughs> you know. Uh, Gosh. Again, so he had a little his little zingers ready. He's a funny guy, but you know, I think I got he a wants to win. For you. I yeah. got another question for you. Panarin is I'm gonna I don't weird for a lack of a better term. Weird enough to really like playing with Strom. Does he have full with Drury? I mean, like, that's I want the thing. this guy. Had- I want this guy here for for as long as I'm uh, here. You know, I just don't see it happening. I don't think Panarin wants to leave the range. I don't think if if I think Chris Drury knows if he doesn't resign uh, Ryan Strom, Artemi Panarin is not going to demand a trade. You know, he makes the amount of money he makes. He's on a team that's close. Uh, I believe his wife is pregnant. You know, they have a nice house in Connecticut. It's just not happening. Yeah. So, well, I I, I don't think he has. No, I don't. James, to answer your question, I don't think he has the sway to, you know, if Drury went to him and said, hey, get get, tell Ryan to bring his number down to something I can I can make it work for that. That's not happening. So I just I don't think it factors. I don't think he's going to do it. But uh, I know, obviously, that's the fear of a lot of Rangers fans is that he's just going to be like, it's either him or me or, you know. Well, yeah, I don't think he'd pull that, but I can see him being like, I really want to play with this guy. Can we please make this happen? Yeah. And uh, like, and, and the thing is, like, he then would be your number two center and he's going to get paid like a number two center, which really concerns me. Um, yeah. But the, the one, yeah, it's just like, you know, I just see Panarin as like the, a dog when he's got his old toy and it's ripped up and shredded and into a million pieces, but it won't leave it alone. And when you bring in the new toy, 
you know, he's going to be like, no, I want to play with my old toy. I don't need this new toy. It's like, you know, is Jory going to go out and get a new toy for, you know, Artemi Panarin to play with? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, we don't know. I just, I, I think Panarin deserves a brand new shiny number two center that is going to do wonders for him and alleviate some of the pressure uh, it takes for him to, you know, be a dominant, dominant force all season long. Where he, it's not just all on him. Yeah, uh, Colorado wins game one in overtime. So it was close though. Yeah, um, yeah no, I agree with that. Uh, moving on because we had you know some more quotes to get through. Uh, Mika Zibanejad is next. He not as emotional as he was right after the game, but he says he still hasn't really digested it. Uh, yeah, hold on. There was another that I thought was pretty interesting, but it's not on this one, so I'm going to go with that. Probably Molly or Vince has it. I think Molly would have it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I did want to ask you, how do you think Mika fared? He, he was up and down this playoffs, but I think ultimately he stepped up enough times. I mean, he, you know, he clearly had the production and he was, he was money on the power play. Uh, how do you think Mika did this postseason? Yeah, yeah, money on the power play, certainly. Uh, I mean, listen, he produced. His numbers are there. You know, I thought he had a slow start to the Pittsburgh series, but, you know, I think us collectively as a group, as a team, had a slow start with with Pittsburgh, and then, you know, they eventually kind of took over. Their power play was great. You couldn't ask for anything better on the power play. Uh, you know, I, I just think, again, it's, you know what my problem is, Andy? It's yeah. It's that you have Mika, right? And he performs so well, but you have Casper, the friendly ghost. And, you know, I don't think Kreider was as consistent as he, you know, kind of was, especially in the regular season. I mean, you saw Kreider obviously score 50 plus goal season, comes into the playoffs, does okay. I think he was humming along, not his best hockey. And then towards the end, man, he just kind of fizzled out. And we saw, you know, an, an absentee, you know, an empty suit essentially. Uh, for the New York Rangers, and again, it's it's it, it's tough, but it's like you know, Zabenejad also deserves better on his on his uh you know left wing. So again, it's I don't know, you know, you saw, you know, what kind of guy, what kind of guy does you know where's the A? Everyone wants to see scores fifty goals, and then when it your back's up against the wall in the Eastern Conference Final. Your coach has to move you to the third line. You know, it's just that bothers me. There's something. No, I agree. There's something about, you know, Kreider that still bothers me. You know, I, I almost bought, I almost ate, took the bait this year. I'm right back back to hating. Oh, that's funny. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might be, maybe it's a case where they finally find the right combination that improves their possession and more play drivers that allows a guy like him to thrive more. Um, bringing it back to Mika, I think overall I like Mika's play. I thought when you know when they had guys team, you know, I he was up and down, but at times that th- he was getting the most shutdown, uh, you know, the shutdown line matchups against him, and but you know he still was able to produce at times without it or, or producing key moments. I mean, listen, if he doesn't score that goal in Game Seven in the in the Pittsburgh series, uh. The Rangers don't get, get where they're at. So, and again, he was he was obviously a monster in the um, in the uh, series against the Canes. So, you know, uh, I thought Mika was fine. Um, getting back to the interviews, uh, Braden Schneider still see my I see myself as a young guy trying to prove myself. Uh, whatever wants to get better, yada yada yada. Uh, I wouldn't believe it if you had told me we'd be in this position uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, Lexi Lafreniere. I want to play in the top six eventually. I think that's my goal. He's, uh, he added that he recognized where the team is at with guys like Kreider Panarin on the left side ahead of him, said he can learn from him. So there's a little bit uh, intimating that he might be willing to move to the right side if it guarantees he can play in the top six. He uh, wants says he wants to focus on his skating in the off season, which is good. I mean, of obviously all the kids you know, had a little bit more of a coming out party, you could say in the postseason. but Lafreniere impressed me the most out of all of them, just because I thought, 
obviously Kako had his moments, but it wasn't always there. Uh, Heedle, when he was hot, he was red hot, but there was also times. But, you know, Lafreniere was the guy who was getting moved up to certain lines, I thought. And, you know, he draws that penalty in the just to make something. He makes something happen in game six where uh, Vetrano is able to tie it on the power play, you know, putting it between uh, Stamkos's legs and, you know, forcing him to take a penalty. So, uh, yeah, I loved what I saw out of Lafreniere. I hope he continues to just get better because who knows how imagine how good he might be after a summer summer of getting bigger and you know another year older and just uh yeah just working on skating so um let's see anything else of note uh shesterkin is important one uh he was also in a jokey mood you know said he doesn't think he has a chance at the heart next to trophies next to guys like matthews and mcdavid he says i didn't let matthew score on me he says with a smile uh, I didn't play against McDavid, but every day I watch highlights. Those guys are top players. So clearly in a lighthearted, uh, jokey mood. Is there anything else about Shesterkin? Igor uh, asks if the Rangers are good enough to win a cup. He says, yeah, everybody played great. Lindy might have made more saves than me. Gets a little joke. Man, the, the Russians are really in a jokey mood between Panarin and Igor. They're just throwing out jokes left and right. Um, anything else? Uh, we talked about Kako and what he had said that he basically wants to use his fuel, come back better. Uh, and as honestly, as for the players, I mean, the last notable one is Chris Kreider. Uh, and it's, you know, he was very emotional. He's still emotional. He was emotional after the game. He's emotional now. Um, and I mean, it makes sense. He's the oldest. He's one of the oldest guys on the team. Uh, I think he understands that for, for a lot of these import guys and then the young guys this is the start for them you know he doesn't have who knows how many years he has left and it's hard to get to this point so he understands it's a missed opportunity uh zavanjad came in with him and joked it was for emotional support but he he clearly needed it because he was very emotional uh Kreider referenced that tampa lost four straight games to columbus uh before you know they run, run to the cup final and john tortorella said we just created a monster we have to be the monster. We have to build. We need to build off the sting and turn it into fuel. Um, you know, then he got extremely emotional. Talk about uh, Jad, you know, talking about how proud he was of him and how he rose to the occasion when there was doubts against him. Uh, he was almost he was choked up, basically couldn't continue, left the room. And then uh, Zabanajad gave him a big old hug right outside the door. So. Uh, yeah, what do you make of uh, Chris Kreider being this emotional? I know, uh, like you just said, that his performance didn't really inspire you in the postseason. Um, you know, he clearly loves playing for this team, but uh, again, I, it's maybe it's clear that, you know, no matter how many goals he scored this year, maybe he scored fifty, but he might have to. Besides being a power play specialist, he might have to maybe think about changing his role. But I don't know. What say you, James? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's so much about that with him. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head kind of, you know, with him being the most tenured Ranger. You know, he's 31 years old now. Uh, you know, he's obviously signed here for long enough that he's going to be a core guy for this group unless, you know, the Rangers decide to move him. But, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, listen, Kreider has a lot to be proud of in this season this was finally the breakout season that you know fans have been waiting for uh when it comes to the playoffs though you know I, I think it's never easy to lose I mean you make it to the Eastern Conference final you know how many teams honestly can say they go into a season thinking that they're going to be able to compete for a Stanley Cup and you know I, I I think you know if he's reflecting back on the year that he had you know it's pretty special I mean you know, not many hockey players get to, you know, lace him up for a team that, you know, drafted him and, you know, and be a part of an organization for this long and to lead a team to this point. You know, I, I think he's a very, uh, you know, he's he's not a flamboyant guy in terms of his verbiage and, and his demeanor. I think he's pretty conservative. So I, I feel like, he does a lot of self-reflection, uh, especially, you know, after big moments, you know, within his career. Uh, and he takes it pretty serious. I mean, what can you say? I mean, 
yeah, it, it sucks. And, and it, you know, unfortunately he turned back into Casper again in, in the playoffs, but man, oh man, what a tremendous year he had overall. And, you know, if he's thinking back on it, which he probably was at that moment and kind of has to, you know, face the media and, and talk about it and bring those feelings back up. It's not surprising that, you know, he got emotional and, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that, you know, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve and what you're seeing is exactly the Chris Kreider you probably get in the locker room. I don't think there's, there's, uh, uh, you know, I don't think there's much difference between the uh, locker room Chris Kreider and the, and the media Chris Kreider. I think he's pretty locked in and, you know, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty genuine guy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because obviously there's a lot of talk about, well, okay, does someone finally get to see? Uh, you hear about Chris Kreider um, just over the summer, you know, taking the young guys and letting them stay in his house and showing, you know, working out with them and showing them the right way to work out up at Prentice's gym in Connecticut and all this. But uh, there was an interesting tidbit. I don't know if it was a if it was an Andrew Gross article or if it was Brooks. I forget who it was, but apparently the Rangers were set on making Truba captain at the beginning of this year, going into the season. But someone above uh, the coaching staff put the kibosh on that. So that's very interesting. And then the I believe the quote they said is that you know this type of stuff that like obviously the players. You know, love Jacob and respect him, but he does a lot of the stuff you don't see in the way of he, the tough love type stuff. Um, there was a lot made that, you know, he was like when the whole Tony and Gurgiv thing went down, that he was the one breaking up the fight and splitting the guys up. And that when at times when the, the locker room was maybe having some, there was issues with Tony's mouth in the locker room that he was the one going to him and telling him like, hey, listen, you, you got to stop this or this or that. So he's almost like the tough love guy in the in the locker room when the Rangers need it. Uh, whereas maybe uh, guys like Kreider might be a little bit more of the, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever, the positive mentorship guy. But uh, what do you make of that? Uh, and who do you think the Rangers next captain is? Do you do you think they have one? Do you think they do the exact same thing? Do you think this season is it, was is enough this for... Con- is this confirmed? I, I, I feel mean, like this is bullshit. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I forget where I read it. It was, in, I, I it was read it, a I... Rangers beat writer. I know that. So it was someone on the beat. Uh, and again, listen, you never, like, no matter if it's Brooks or whatever, Mercogliano or Andrew Gross or whatever, you obviously always have to take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, that's a pretty interesting thing to say, you know. It's a listen, it's a it's it's if weird. It's, fake, to, it's a weird thing to make up. That's what I'm that's, saying. It's almost so it's so we, interesting because if you talk like, you know, if I'm just I just kind of read, I was like, oh, oh, OK, like, you know, it wasn't enough to be like, whoa, it wasn't like juicy enough to make up almost. It was just kind of like, oh, that's weird. So that almost makes me think it was clearly true. But who knows? Yeah. And I mean, you say that and that could be like someone got a text message say like they're thinking about Trub is the na- at the top, like a guy at the top of their list or whatever. You know what I mean? And then they just kind of run with the the exaggerated version of that story, you know? Yeah. Where it's Was like it? they, they, they said, what do you think about Truba? They ran it up the flagpole. They're like, ah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It could be the same thing. But obviously the way I said it or the way I was read it, it came off as a much more like they were set on doing it. And then, you know, <laughs> James Dole had said, absolutely not. Or, or Glenn Sather, whatever, you know? So who knows? Yeah. I Listen, the part of me thinks it's probably more like what you just said, like where it's, it's one of those, he was a, in top consideration. Yeah. And they're kicking the can of how do you feel about making true, but the captain I, I, again, I do feel like though, now that I'm thinking about it, that there was a point where, the rumor was true was going to be captain. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I, I feel like we, we were in that, but then, you know, you and I, well, especially me with, you know, how I get crazy. Like I, I convinced myself that every player on the team is going to eventually be announced captain. So, um, yeah, you know, for me, I, I don't know. I don't totally buy it, but you know, when you ask me, man, who's going to be the next captain, you know, I, I don't, after this season, if you told me, after this season and this playoff run, James, who do you think is going to be the captain of the New York Rangers? And if it had to be one of the players, obviously, 
um, you know, this this season, it's pretty hard not to make Mika captain, especially over, you know, clearly he was a leader. He scored a lot of big goals for us. Um, he had a tremendous playoff. You know, he, he clearly makes this team go. He's our top line center. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, Mika's got kind of got a playful spirit to him, but he also takes it serious. You know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like after this playoff run, it's clear that, you know, Mika would be my number one choice because I'm not, first off, I'm not even convinced that Drew was going to play out his contract here in New York. I mean, you know, that's probably for another podcast, but you know, I, I'm not convinced certainly of Truba being here long-term with the New York Rangers. Yeah. Uh, we've heard that before that the, there's a belief that if the Rangers needed to move Truba, they could find a way to make it happen. And honestly, based on his throwback style, you can't tell me there's some, uh, it's very in vogue to be tough to play against and, you know, not take any shit recently. So I think if the Rangers put Truba on the market tomorrow, like obviously he has, I, I believe he's got a no trade, right? Or limited, uh, I don't know, but. Yeah, um, uh, hold on, let me scroll down to D. Uh, yeah, if you have cap. Uh, yeah, he's got a no movement clause. Okay, so never mind. But, uh, but apparently, I don't know, it's weird because I've heard a lot of people say that they would not have a problem getting him to waive. So I don't know what that means. I don't know. They would just, they would move him to the situation he wants or whatever, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, just the style he plays, you know that even teams would be all over him. You know what I mean? I, uh, well, Especially yeah. if they're, <laughs> if they're, you know, I mean, just based on teams that are like, wait a minute, we could just, you know, the, <laughs> I don't know. The Toronto Maple Leafs would probably convince themselves to be like, wow, if we had Jacob Truba, he would just, you know, knock all of our problems out in front of us, you know? He, yeah, I mean, well, well, I listen. We'll see, man. I, I, <laughs> I listen. It's an eight million dollar contract, so it's not. I don't know if teams like Toronto are going to be able to afford them. Yeah, now, no, I told, mean, not. I you, don't think it'd be. I don't think it would be Toronto, but I, I, I do think there would be t- teams with teams that have space with suit who or would be suitors. But I don't think they. I, I don't think Jacob Truba gets moved this summer, but or I mean this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone by the season after next. Would not well, I, I told you before, you throw Kako into the mix with that contract, Kako and Truba, I think a lot of teams would, would eat that up. And I think you can get a pretty big return for the both of those players, especially a team like a Detroit Red Wings, um, you know, a team that feels like they're maybe they're right on the cusp of, of breaking out. Uh, I feel like that's the spot Truba would, would love to play. Uh, competitive team, similar to the Rangers, maybe a year or two behind. Uh, yeah, I could see, certainly see that happening, but you know, again, I don't know now that if that's true, that they were going to make him captain with the rent. Well, maybe, maybe that is the writing on the wall with the rain, how the Rangers trade their last two captains. And I feel made, there's no loyalty there. So that, never mind that theory is out the window. Um, yeah. So that's all I got on true, but I, again, he's one of those guys, Andy, I have no pulse on whether or not true, but I could see him being traded during the off season or I can see him being named captain, I guess like it, it's the most two extreme things that could happen to a player, either traded or named captain. Both are equally, you know, prominent in my mind right now. Yeah. All right. So we've been going on for a while. So pro- let's wrap this up with the uh, quotes that from today from Chris Drury. Um, where we have it here. Yeah. So he's year in call. Uh, still no word on whether Ryan Strome needs surgery. He thinks Gerard Gallant had a great year, but as far as scratching Kako, uh, the call was ultimately his to make. And he supports all of his uh, decisions, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, what are you going to say, right? You're not going to disagree with your coach openly to the media, even if you did feel that way. And honestly, I don't think, you know, maybe it did scratch, it scratched his head and he was a little annoyed or peeved about it, but he's like, he thinks Gallant's trying to pull the rope in the same direction as everyone else. And it is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, so, um, they asked him about, uh, from our last conversation, having a captain next season. We're looking at that. Uh, that's all he said. Uh, as far as cop and Strom, second line center, you know, Cop is a legitimate option as a potential 2C. Uh, 
on Strom, who made it clear he'd like to stay at the Rangers. We're excited that he wants to be here, and we think the world of him both on and off the ice. That sounds like a little non-answer to me. You know, I'm sure saying we we would love to have him back is the equivalent of being like, eh, you know, he's probably gone. But uh, when asked about Kraftsoff, uh, we're excited to have him back, and I don't think we've ever wavered from our stance that he's an all-world talent. He's a lot of things on the ice that other people can't. Um, yeah, so, and like I had mentioned before, just kind of, that's, you know, just reiterating they like the player and they've been in contact, and, you know, it's going to, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. So, not, there was nothing really notable from Drury's uh presser today obviously he just was proud of the team he thinks they have a spec he called a special group in the locker room um you know and yeah uh nothing really of note i you know obviously he he said he thinks the world he had a good said he had a really positive conversation with capo caco today in his exit interview or whatever and that um you know like you know, he they expect him to have a good summer and come back and you know be a big part of the team going forward. Same thing with Lafreniere. You know, he's proud of the kids. Thought they really made uh, big strides in the second half of the season and in the playoffs. So, yeah, not not much to really report on or write home after that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it seems like he's he seems like the the type that he doesn't really hesitate. He doesn't really ruminate on things too much. Uh, for better or for worse, and he doesn't really sit around. You know what I mean? Where I think a guy like Gordon might be a little bit more patient. I think we've already seen that Drury is willing to make moves. You know, when he's got irons in the fire and he he knows what he needs, he gets it and gets it done. Hence the crafts off thing. Literally the day after they they lose and are eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs in the ECF. So, uh, James, is there anything else you want to comment on from uh, breakup day or anything interesting that's on your mind? Well, to end with Drury, you know, I just think if you look at the two teams in the Stanley Cup play, uh, Stanley Cup final right now, the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, both of those teams have been built to, you know, be consist- consistently some of the best teams in the NHL, and they're built to win Stanley Cups. And given the amount of firepower that they have offensively, some of their dynamic defensemen, goaltending, uh, you know, obviously more so with Vasilevsky, um, you know, it can be done, you know, and Drury is going to have to, you know, take a look at how those teams are built because there's a lot of holes right now with our lineup. And I don't mean, you know, that the players are not there. I mean, I literally, we need to sign a team, you know, uh, you have, you know, restricted free agents and a bunch of unrestricted free agents. Um, you know, important guys that played huge roles, like we talked about, you know, the cop, the the Mots, the, you know, Stroms, Chano. So, you know, there's a lot of holes right now in our lineup, and Drury's going to have a very busy offseason if he's going to want to uh, continue this success. And, you know, ultimately, Andy, you know, it was a fantastic season. Didn't expect to make it to the Eastern Conference final. Still bitter about the loss. I think having a 2 nothing series lead, and then losing four straight was just an absolute dagger. Yeah, I mean, you know, overall, I love it. But again, it's no guarantee that we're going to be at this point next year. So uh, take everything, you know, that we've been able to accomplish this year. Appreciate it. But, you know, we got to be, you know, we got to be on to uh, bigger things here in the offseason and build a team that's going to be able to continue this success. And, and I think we have a lot of key pieces here that we're going to be very competitive for years to come. But like we watch every year in the NHL playoffs, it, there's no guarantee and you just never know. So again, Andy, uh, yeah, it was a, a great year. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate going and through the ups and downs with you as a, as a podcast co-host. So. Yeah, that's that's really all I have right now. Um, so why don't you send us off here? Yeah, uh, again, I said this at the end of our last podcast. Thank you ever, so much to everyone who has gone on the journey of the season with us. Uh, it is sad that it is officially the off season, but that does not mean the journey stops for us going into next season. Uh, James and I still have plenty of uh, fun podcasts I, up our sleeves. Uh, yeah, can I, can I interject? Oh yeah, go ahead. I, I I need to thank the people that listen to this podcast because 
I, I shake my head every time we see some of the numbers and it's just unbelievable. It, it, I go about this podcast thinking you and I are the only two people that are going to hear it. And, you know, the fact that anyone and someone listens to it, appreciates it is, you know, it means a lot, you know, with the, especially with how this season went and how we saw kind of the growth of this podcast. It's just, you know, it's pretty overwhelming at times. But, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate anyone who tunes in. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, I couldn't say any better than that. Uh, I did want to really quickly, so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle, uh, congratulate, you know, the Rangers have named Jessica Campbell, who's going to join their uh, coaching staff for Rangers Development Camp this summer. Um, just quick, really quick some of her accolades. She played four years at Cornell. She was captain in her senior season, uh, played for the CWHL for two or three years, uh, winning their Clarkson Cup in 2016. Uh, she, uh, you know, she represented uh, Canada in two U18 World Junior Championships, and she was captain at the 200, uh, 200 Jesus, the 2010 event. She scored the gold uh, medal winning goal, and she won tournament MVP. Uh, she also played five games for Canada at the 2015 uh, Women's World Championships. Uh, then she's since in the subsequent years, she has moved into a coaching role. You know, she was an assistant coach for Germany in the for uh, the 2022 men's world championship team. Uh, this past season, she was on the coaching staff for the Tri-City Storm, the USHL uh, and their development program. And uh, yeah, so and then she's also was an assistant uh, coach and skills coach for the Nuremberg Ice Tigers in the DEL, which is the German, the you know, Deutsche Ice Hockey League, which is their uh, German uh, men's professional ice hockey league. So, yeah, great accolades for her. Excited to get a, you know, a different voice uh, up there for development camp. And, uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, well, the offseason is officially upon us, but that does not mean that it gets, uh, there's not things to talk about. Plenty is going to be happening. Uh, we have the NHL Awards next uh, week. So I'm sure there will be, or is it next week or is it the week after? I, think uh, I believe, week. yeah, it's next week and it's hosted by uh, Keenan Thompson. So it should be pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, I assume uh, we'll have at least one Ranger to talk about that event. And if not, I'm going to have a podcast ranting about, uh, you know, how, how stupid the NHL awards are. Uh, so yeah, and we have other plenty of fun things to spice it up. And again, you know, even though the Rangers don't have their first round pick, they do have draft picks. So the draft is coming sooner rather than later, and the beauty of playing competitive hockey well into June is that the offseason is way shorter. So James and I have a lot of stuff to pack in uh, to the next coming thing. So, yeah, again, we might all not always be consistent with the two times a week, but uh, we're going to try to stay to that if we can, you know, as long as we have stuff to talk about. So, yeah, thank you so much to everyone who uh, went on this journey with us this year. Uh, Listen, there's no quit in New York, and there's certainly no quit in all of our fans listening to the Broadway Boys Hockey Podcast, and we appreciate you. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.